We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Ladder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for being here. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the 49ers preparing for their home matchup at Levi Stadium against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the last time the 49ers met the Buccaneers. Uh, it was an absolute ass whooping to the tune of 35-7, also at Levi's Stadium, with Brock Purdy making his very first start. Uh, it seems like it's, it's it just seems like an eternity ago. I mean, Tom Brady was still in the league. Tom Brady was the quarterback for the Bucks last season when they played in, in Purdy's first start. It just feels like so much has happened since then. It really does feel like an eternity ago. It, that was And that was week 14 of last season. It was not a long time ago in the football world. But, man, it just it really does feel like it. Uh, exciting times. Uh, if, you do, if you watch Formula One, you know that right now they are in Las Vegas getting ready uh, they're not getting ready to race. I think tonight is their first practice, which will be interesting to see how the track pans out, see how the cars do. So if any of you Formula One fan, I mean, if you're a Formula One fan out there, you're probably already planning on at the very minimum watching the race, which is Saturday night, pretty late, I believe. So that'll be entertaining. Uh, I want to watch the practice. I just want to, I just, I just want to see the cars at night in Las Vegas. Like I can watch that as, 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 as much as they'll give it to me, which uh, there's three practices and then there's qualifying. I think qualifying is like Friday night at midnight or something. Hey, I'll be there. Um, so, yeah, you're, we're in an interesting place with the 49ers right now. They're coming off a, a just a very convincing statement win against the Jaguars to the tune of 34 to three. Uh, I mean, the Jaguars were, were coming off of five straight wins. They were hot. They were playing well. They were one of the NFL's best best teams over their last, like, 17 games. I mean, I've said that a few times. I think they were 13-4. and four, And the 49ers just went into Jacksonville and made them look remedial, uh, which is a good sign for the 49ers. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't think that it means everything's okay, especially after watching that three-game <laughs> – excuse me, three-game losing streak. I, I don't think that this – that this win just lets the 49ers off the hook. I actually heard a lot of things throughout the week that I thought were, if anything, concerning. Not necessarily concerning going forward, but we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Starting off with some humor, though. There was a clip floating around on social media of, uh, of uh, at some point, Fred Warner was mic'd up. Somebody, they were both mic'd up. Somebody was mic'd up. And uh, the Jaguars are trying to get the snap off. They're moving guys back and forth. It, it, it's clear that they don't know what they're doing, but Fred Warner let them know that they knew that they didn't know what they were doing. Fred Warner's yelling out loud through the mic, they don't know what they're doing. And then you can hear a Jaguars offensive lineman reply, you're right, we don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what point of the game this was. I don't know what quarter it was, first half, second half. 
I I have no idea, but it it would be even funnier if it was I don't know, later in the game when the you know, maybe when the 49ers got out to like that 20 to 3 lead and the Jaguars are just scrambling. And just for the, the the funny part is not that Fred Warner says they don't know what they're doing. That that it's kind of like what I would say if I was a coach standing on the sideline watching a team just try and put their players in position. That's what I would say. They don't know what they're doing. I think a lot of us would say that on the other end of the TV. But for the Jaguars offensive linemen to reply, you're right, we don't, is just so funny to me. And the sad thing is, is that he's probably being genuine. Like, it's not like he's saying, you're right, we don't, and, and then we're going to drop 25 yards on you. Like, it reminds me of Cam Newton hearing Clay Matthews uh, talking about, oh, watch the, you know, watch the screen or whatever, whatever it is. I don't think it was a screen. Um, and And Cam Newton just motions across the or says across the line oh you've been watching film huh and then he goes okay watch this and then he uh proceeds to like keep the ball and score something like that i probably butchered that story it doesn't really matter the point is is that the jaguars offensive lineman was probably not being sarcastic when he said you're right you don't they didn't follow that play up with some huge touchdown or something badass or you know because that would be badass you're like yeah you're right we don't boom then boot touchdown or whatever but he, with the way that game went for the Jaguars, you know he was being serious. They didn't know what they were doing, which is really weird for a team that was playing as well as they were. But I, it's just so funny to me to think of that other player just being like, no, we don't. <laughs> like, damn, things have got, have to have gotten pretty bad for a professional football organization to admit in, in the middle of a game while an opposing player is talking his shit that they really don't know what they're doing. It just reminds me of the Raiders right now for some reason, just for a team that doesn't really know what they're doing. I don't know. I don't know why I thought about the Raiders, but I did. So no offense to anybody, any Raider fans out there. It is what it is. Um, Moving on, uh, John Feliciano. Uh, that's a Speaking of offensive linemen, I guess can be our transition. A nice bright spot. I think he was one of the highest graded per pro football focus offensive players uh, for the 49ers. I wish I would have pulled this up. Um, I was looking at it, I believe. Mm, no, that's not it. I think it was this one. Let's see. It was by Jennifer Lee Chan. Yep. Shout out to Jennifer. Jennifer is legit. You ever got to get a chance to say hi to Jennifer? Just embarrass her a little bit. Um, uh, she's just great at her job. Nice person. Uh, her and Matt Mayoko are just a, an outstanding team. Uh, 49ers talk over at NBC sports barrier. Check it out. Um, John Feliciano was graded with an 81.7, which is which is an absolutely outstanding grade for football focus. He would be well into the green. Um, the only two players that had a better offensive grade were George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. George Kittle had an 84. Christian McCaffrey also had an 84. I think that I think that Brock Purdy actually graded higher as well, but I think that's up here. Yeah, a 91.7 overall grade, which is a career high for Purdy. Purdy against the Jaguars was almost flawless it was it was pretty damn impressive but the point being here is that the 49ers lost um guard Aaron Banks to turf toe he's is out this week as well and veteran guard uh, John Feliciano stepped in and just played outstanding I it wouldn't be surprised at all if he is a consistent part of the rotation Kyle Shanahan said they were already kind of contemplating doing that kind of same thing that they were doing with um what's his name the guard from last year I don't know I don't know. I'm thinking about it. It doesn't matter. I'll get it later. Uh, So a rotation there, which is not new to the 49ers. They did it last year uh, with the AEF guy. (laughs) So sad that I can't, that I don't know. You guys know, I know the name. I'll get it right when it doesn't matter. And I hit, hit freaking stop. And I'll be like, oh yeah. And you'll be like, idiot. Um, so pretty impressive showing for him. Gives the 49ers a little stability along the offensive line. They've got some veterans that play, you know, versatile roles behind uh, the starters. And, you know, it's nice to have somebody like Feliciano step in and not only excel, but possibly pay, play better than Aaron Banks. I don't know how Aaron Banks has been graded out. I should have looked um, throughout this season. I can, I mean, I can type it real quick. I'll type it. Aaron Banks, PFF. And then they usually just give the score. And not great, a 48.5 total grade so far this season. Damn, that is really bad. But, 
hey, you know, they they have their own way of grading. But if I'm going to take, you know, their positive grading and, and talk about it, then I got to talk about the negative stuff too. So that gives you, I mean, a little bit of a a window as to how good an 81.7 grade is for John Feliciano. So that's some positive news for the 49ers. But Aaron Banks is still out. He is not going to play this week. Um, in other injury news, I guess we can cover that right now. And uh, in, in addition to Aaron Banks, backup guard Nick Sakel is is also out for the season with a biceps tear. Um, he won't be out. Limited on Thursday's practice was linebacker Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, ankle and tight end or tackle Colton McKivitz with ankle and knee. So that's significant. We haven't been giving any indication that he's not going to play, but to have your right tackle that has already been struggling. To also be on the injury report is limited with an ankle and knee injury. That's not great. Um, we'll keep a close eye on that. We should have a his game status tomorrow, which is Friday. But, you know, something to keep an eye on. It, it seems like he's going to play. There's been no mention of him possibly not playing. But it, it's just not ideal for a tackle that's already struggling to hold down that right side. Full participations in pra- practice, Robert Beal and Darrell Luter, both rookies who are working their way back. Um, onto the uh, hopefully onto the active roster. We'll see if they get a spot. They might not. There's nothing saying the 49ers have to activate them after opening their practice window. Um, Trent Williams uh, not wasn't injury related. He just had a rest on Wednesday. And Samuel Womack is also a f- full participant. That was my drink of water. Um, some other things that I was noticing, just kind of sifting through the Jacksonville game. Among the highest graded defensive players was cornerback Amory Thomas. He had an 81.3 grade. Uh, they brought in Amory Thomas. They played him along the perimeter for the most part, and then they put Diamador Lenore down into the slot. Um, when it comes to the Buccaneers, they they kind of move back and forth. I think um, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans mostly stay on the outside, but they both kind of rotate in to play in the slot every now and then. Um, and it seemed like Diamador Lenore, cornerback Amory Thomas did well. But Diamondor Noren looks like he struggled quite a bit. He was on the recipient end of a lot of plays. He was matched up against Christian Kirk, which who is an outstanding player, who everybody thought his contract with the Jaguars was mind-blowing, but he has absolutely justified it. He's been a very solid receiver. Right in line with the same type of production as like Brandon Ayuk. So he's been a good player for their team, and he uh, got the better of Diamondor Lenore on several occasions. So while I do think this is the best setup for the 49ers corners they're still not without fail and I feel like the only thing or the main thing I guess the strongest thing that could keep this 49ers defense from kind of really tightening it down and becoming closer to what they were last year and it's the same group for the most part but it seems like their corners have kind of developed into that weak spot Lenore was struggling um Embry Thomas did seem like he had a spark he played pretty well and obviously he should have a touchdown to his name uh, forced a fumble out of Christian Kirk's hands that should have been returned for a touchdown, but half the 49ers sideline decided to come onto the field and celebrate a play that was still ongoing, but they didn't know that it was still ongoing. Weird play. I mean, watch it live. It, it was a weird play. Um, I still don't really know what to think of Traverius Ward. You know, like it seems like, I mean, he made an absolutely brilliant pass, pass breakup in the end zone, absolutely textbook play. Uh, Steve Wilkes was celebrating was celebrating it with him on the sideline. That was kind of one of the cooler things to see when it came to his uh, move down to the sideline was seeing him celebrate with Ward. Ward has a 75.8 grade for pro, pro, for pro, oh man, per pro football focus. Okay. Um, Just kind of keeping in that arena right now. He's been good. He seems like he's had quite a few flags. I think that, I think that actually, I think PFF, tracks flags against right in the um no they don't have it here they don't have it here nope 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 okay okay two interceptions tied for ninth in the nfl solo tackles tied for 29th 20th so he's been solid okay so he's he's clearly the 49ers best corner uh on an average standpoint just seems like he's always getting the getting laundry thrown at him i don't know where he ranks on that one and even in you know, PFF's little breakdown of him, and they're talking about something that was called back due to a penalty. So I was very, obviously, we were all very, very impressed with what the, the 49ers defense was able to do against the Jaguars, but it still seemed like there was the secondary is 
somewhat susceptible in there. Are the Jaguars the best receiving core that's going to be thrown at the 49ers? Not even close by a long shot. So we'll see how they develop. I'm assuming that the 49ers are going to go with a similar game plan against the Bucks this week that they did against the Jags. At least their whatever defensive philosophy they had, disguising, disguising coverages, um, playing a lot closer to the line of scrimmage, trying to get quarterbacks to hesitate just a little bit longer so that pass rush can get home. I, I think that they're probably going to stick with a similar mantra um, for the Bucks. Not that you have to; it's not you know, it's not the same. But uh, we'll see if that how how this corner group fares this time. You know, again, looking up up against. I mean, a comparable receiver core. To the Jags, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, by name, they're much bigger, but you know, it's we're in a different time now. What I was mentioning earlier is the 49ers now at a point where they're moving on from that three-loss streak. They've absolutely embarrassed the Jaguars, who are a great team coming in, and now they get to go up against the Bucks, and their schedule really evolves with with matchups against the Eagles and the Seahawks, and you know, tough, really like the the meat and potatoes of their schedule. And, you know, like looking back at those three losses, were those the, was those the chip on the shoulder they needed to, to like drive it home? Like the 49ers have now successfully backed themselves into that same corner that we've seen themselves in. It uh, seems like every year they've, they've, they've made a deep playoff push. They've always put themselves in a position during the season where they really couldn't afford to lose another game. If anything, maybe one. And they're there again. So is that was that three game losing streak just just you know the, the here's the thing with me you've heard some concerning things since that three uh, uh, since they've beaten the Jaguars they felt like they could open open up about the three game streak and you know I heard Javon Hargrave talk about you know yeah we we kind of did take our foot off the pedal a little bit after that win over the Cowboys I think Fred Warner said something similar you know and to me it's like. You know, it might be human nature to kind of like buy into your own hype. You just absolutely embarrassed one of the best teams in the NFL in the Cowboys at the time. And, and they still hold that that moniker. They're still a great team. But it's like, I would have thought that this locker room was just too veteran and too experienced. And they've been close too many times to allow themselves to just get comfortable. You know, like if there's any team that knows how important playoff seeding is, and just maintaining a win to loss ratio that keeps you ahead of the curve. And you know what I mean? It just seems so perplexing to me that this team would openly admit that they bought into their own, into their own genius, that they, that they, they bought into their reputation throughout the league and that they took their, their foot off the pedal against them. I don't know if they think that's, an excuse for the losses if or if they truly mean they kind of felt like they were just too good to lose at that point when we know it's just from over and over and over and over and over again that any team can lose to any team any given Sunday it doesn't matter how corny and cliche it is it's really true the 49ers have gone out and proved it but to hear players openly admit that they may have eased up it is it's genuinely surprising to me and that's why I say maybe it's just human re- human nature and it's unavoidable but now the 49ers are three games back from the number one seed. I think the Eagles are eight and one. I don't I don't have my NFC standings up. Let me see. Um conference standings NFL. You know, it it's just interesting to me to I mean, was I looking for conference standings or division standings? I want I want conference standings. I want the big list. I mean, I've looked it up before. I don't see it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So anyways, I don't want to drag that on too long. They're, they're, they're multiple games back behind the Eagles now, who they knew they were going to be competing for for this seed. And, and so isn't that motivation enough to keep you hungry from week to week? And I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. I, me coaching middle school football does not qualify me to be in the head of a professional athlete. It was just weird to hear them admit that when you clearly knew was what was at stake for every single game. And when they get towards the end of the season, whether they're in contention for that spot or not, they're going to be looking at that bye week like, man, we can get a first round bye. We can get two wins and we can be in the Super Bowl. You know, like I, it's just so weird to hear the team say that they eased off when they already know what's at stake. And every single one of these losses is going to matter, especially when you've got somebody like the Lions out there who may not necessarily be like the most serious of contenders. I think they're a genuine contender and I think they can beat any team in the NFL. They've kind of already proved that in a way. But they look like the favorite for the number one seed. It could still be the Eagles. They're in first right now. But if you look at the schedules, the Lions' schedules, pretty damn easy. Whereas the Eagles' schedule is a little bit of a gauntlet that includes the 49ers. So it's just weird to me to hear them talk about easing up on, on, the, on the throttle when they're already staring at, 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 at what they've sown. You know what I mean? They're already behind on the stick. It's just weird. It's weird. I... I I'm, I'm encouraged for the 49ers at, at how they beat the Jaguars. I think the 49ers can be con- encouraged and 49ers fans can be encouraged, but it's still, you know, um, disturbing to me that they, that they're openly saying that that three game losing streak was at least partially due to just not being fully prepared. I think even Brock Purdy said something about getting a, a chip back on their shoulder. And it's like, man, wh- why did it ever leave? You guys have gotten so close so many times, including last season. I mean, that last season and the way that ended should be the biggest chip you could ever hope to have. I understand you have to have a short memory in professional sports. You got to be able to move on to the next one, but it's like, damn, like this team is right on the precipice of winning it all. And they can't even, you know what I mean? It's weird. I I don't want to act like it's, you know, like it's they're less, less, you know, less of a man for having forgotten what's at stake. Like I know and they don't, but it, it was weird. We'll just put it that way. It was weird. So we'll see where the 49ers go from here. Uh, I think Fred Warner said something to the effect of it's, it's safe to say we've learned our lesson. Like what the hell, man, you've since you've been here, you've lost a Super Bowl and you've lost in two NFC championship games. Like, what lessons are you still planning on learning? Just go, you know? And then again, easy for me to say. Easy for me to say. Easy for me to say. But the, again, the 49ers have backed themselves into a corner. They can no longer take any of these games for granted. Like every year, they've found a way to push themselves into a position where they just have to start winning games. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it just automatically established almost, almost a playoff-type mentality where losses mean you're leaving. But, you know, it, it's a little concerning that the 49ers are still finding reasons to to take their foot off the gas after what they've been through. Okay, before we get into our talking about a little bit about the Buccaneers, let's get into some prize picks. Let me first, first, let me elaborate a little bit. After last week's debacle when it came to my prize pick selections, Okay, let me let me let me quickly quickly because it's embarrassing rehash my two four pick power plays that I did last week. For my first entry, I was one of four. McCaffrey did go over sixty six yards, but then Brandon Ayuk had less than four and a half receptions. I picked more. Evan Ingram had less than five receptions. He had four. Uh, Calvin Ridley had less than fifty five receiving yards. He had twenty. And keep in mind, it's not like I'm betting against the 49ers defense, but they had shown themselves susceptible to the pass before this game. They just decided to turn it on. And then my second entry, 
Purdy had less than eight and a half rushing yards. He had none. George Kittle had less than three and a half receptions. He had three. Travis Etienne did get held to less than 91.5 rushing receiving yards. He didn't even have half of that. He had 44. So that was my one green. And then Trevor Lawrence did not have more than six and a half rushing yards. I just got blanketed. I got beat up. So I had to find just at least a subtle way to redeem myself. So what did I do? I put in an entry for Monday Night Football. Was it Monday Night Football? Yeah, it was. Okay. I picked Josh Allen to throw for less than 276 yards. I looked up the weather. It was cold as shit. I was like, I don't think they're going to be throwing for big numbers. Sure enough, Josh Allen, 177 yards throwing. A couple of picks. Didn't look great. Didn't look great. Um, I also put James Cook. Given the weather, I thought I thought the Bills would be relying on, on their running backs. I thought this one wasn't going to pan off because in like the first carry of the game, James Cook fumbled. And he was out for like the rest of the quarter. And then he came in in like the second quarter and just started going crazy. He had 109 total rush yards, and I picked that he would have more than 58. So I was solid in the clear on that one. And I also picked that the old Russell Wilson would have less than 212 passing yards. He did. He had 192. So I went three for three on the three-pick power play and, uh, you know, just built up some sort of momentum. I had to, I had to pull myself out of that hole. So we're here again. We're going with the power play for the 49ers and Bucks games. Um, I'm picking Brock Purdy to th- throw for less than 29 and a half pass attempts. Um, I don't think the 49ers are going to need to get into this, you know, slugfest in terms of passing in order to com- keep, compete with the Buccaneers. Last time they played the Buccaneers, they they ran all over them. Let me let me even check in there real quick. Just not that last year is this year. The two things don't really have anything to do with each other. But let me see how many times Purdy attempted. How many passes did Purdy attempt? Only 21 last time and completed 16 of them. So I, I feel good about that. I feel good about that. I also picked Debo Samuel to have more than 65 and a half, and a half rushing plus receiving yards. I mean, we know Debo. He can bust off that kind of yardage on any rush or any catch. Um, let's go back and look at the Tampa Bay, uh, or excuse me, the Jacksonville game. Uh, Debo Samuel had four catches for 30 yards and he also had three rushes for 39 yards. So I would have been just shy on that one. Uh, but I do think they get Debo Samuel more involved. He's been working his way back from that shoulder injury. So I think this might be a big uh, Debo Samuel game. I also picked Christian McCaffrey to have more than 0.5 rushing touchdowns after they failed to get into him into the end zone last week to claim the solo um, consecutive games with a touchdown record. I think that they're going to try and at least get him back in there this week. We'll see. But it has to be a rushing touchdown. So that's a little bit of a, you know, it can't be it can't be through the air. So that's, that's a little bit of a, a worry spot, I guess you could say. And last but certainly not least, I picked Buccaneers running back Rashad White to have less than 74.5 rush plus receiving yards. So the 49ers need to tighten that screen game up. Otherwise, that number could get out of hand. But just kind of trying to ease myself back into the winner's circle here, I did do a four-pick flex play. So if I get all four, get 50 bucks. If I if I get three, then I at least get my money back plus a little bit more. So again, this is all prize picks. It's daily fantasy sports. It's the easiest way to get into football. Uh, when it comes to making entries and, and making wagers on your players, you're picking more, you're picking less, two to six players, and you're going to watch the winnings roll in. What I like best about prize fix, and, and obviously I'm having a good time with it, whether I'm winning or losing, but it's so simple to play. You get on there, you type in what team you want to you want to make an entry for, and then it's all there. You pick more or less. You can submit an entire entry in less than 60 seconds. It's pretty cool, and it's fun. It's one of my favorite things about this season pricepicks.com slash gold. Go there and use code gold for your first deposit matchup up to a hundred bucks. Okay. Pricepicks.com slash gold and use the code gold as well. It's always, you know, striking gold. My code is always gold. And the word before that is always code. So it's like code gold. It it always messes me up, but I'm, I'm getting better at it. Okay. We're always improving, always evolving. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. One more time, prizepicks.com slash gold and use the code gold. Okay. Prize Picks. It's a lot of fun. Hopefully I can I can get something going. I'll keep you updated. I'm gonna fire off a tweet before the game. Um, just highlighting my picks, and hopefully uh, I've got some good news for you after the game. I'm feeling good about my entries, that's for sure. But I mean, maybe I feel good about all my entries and I'm just an idiot. But 
All right, so we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into town, into Levi's. Uh, coming into town sounds like Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, have you? Are you guys as into those Christmas Christmas classic movies as I am? Um, I've already watched Santa Claus is coming to town. I've already watched Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Um, I don't watch Frosty the Snowman as often because it's just a shorter cartoon, and I'm kind of a sucker for the the you know the clay puppet animation type deal that they film those old ones with, but. I I've I've determined throughout my life that I truly those are like my my must watch things. Uh, there's like I have like three must watch things in order to fully immerse myself in the Christmas spirit. Love Christmas. Katie loves Christmas. We love Christmas at the Louder household. My firstborn son is going to be born right around Christmas. Uh, I mean the it, the the season just gets it gets just gets better and better. But my three musts. Right now, there could be more, but I think it's three months. Are Santa Claus is coming to town, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and the Santa Claus with Tim Allen? Those are my three musts of the holiday season, and then very strong recommends will do's. I usually find another excuse to watch Nightmare Before Christmas, even though I tend to lean that as more of a Halloween movie. Um, I still watch it during Christmas. I also will watch both Home Alone's solid. Um, what else is out is out there? Christmas Vacations, those are good movies. What else? Any out there? Oh, freaking uh, Klaus on Netflix. If you have not seen Klaus, just a tremendous story. One of the best endings of every any Christmas movie. Just outstanding. Let me know if I'm out of my mind. If, I, if you guys don't think Klaus is as good as I think it is. I just think it's a truly original way to you know, tell the story of Christmas. It's not really like anything we've ever heard or have seen before and the way it comes about and the way Santa Claus becomes a character. And it's just awesome. Highly recommend Klaus on Netflix. I'm talking Christmas, November, mid November. Yeah. You know, and the only reason I don't like fully immerse myself in Thanksgiving, there's just not, you know, Thanksgiving doesn't have as much of a theme, you know, like cool. I can throw some pumpkins and some leaves around and maybe a Turkey decoration or two, but it doesn't go as hard as Christmas. So once we get past Halloween, and y'all know I go hard with Halloween, me and my boy Mike. But once I get past Halloween, I'm ready for Christmas, man. And I, and I think that Christmas goes with Thanksgiving, so I don't feel bad. I got to get the likes up. I got to stop slacking. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So anyways, I guess we're going to talk about the Buccaneers. I guess we'll do that today. I guess we all deserve it. The last time the 49ers played the Buccaneers, it was 35-7. to It was Brock Purdy's first start. Uh, Rashad White had 13. That's just the first thing I looked at. Rashad, Rashad White had 13 carries for 56 yards. Averaged 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, he always had, he also had five catches for 21 yards. I believe that would put me, that put me over my prize fix. I don't know. 49ers have got to shut that down. Uh, anyways, let's go back to the important stuff. It was Brock Purdy's first official start after his game against the the Dolphins. He completed 16 of 21 passes for 185 yards, two touchdowns, made so many plays happen. He had that deep touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey. He had that scramble that he ran in for a touchdown. Um, He had that one play where he made a defender miss who had like a, what seemed like an obvious sack. And then he hits Debo Samuel kind of in the flat. Uh, for the first down, he had that deep touchdown to Brandon Ayuk that he was overthrown, but he was uh, he was dodging pressure, and he had a guy in his face too. Puts it on him, gets that in touchdown. Tom Brady, the defense made him look so uncomfortable. I went, went back and watched it real quick, kind of the play-by-play thing, and Tom Brady just looked so uncomfortable. Like he was just not having a good time. He still completed 34 passes of 55 attempts for 253 yards, but it was only one touchdown, two interceptions, Dre Greenlaw had that awesome interception where he reaches up, tips it to himself, and catches it. Um, I think Deshaun Gibson had the other one. It was uh, it was a good game for the 49ers. It was dominant. Um, and uh, frankly, I'm expecting more of the same this, this week. But one of the things I want to make sure I mention right out the gate is that this Buccaneers team is, is just good enough, just good enough to hang around. They are just good enough that if you don't get out to a two-score lead, they can bite your ass. Okay, When you got Mike Evans, when you've got Chris Godwin, 
And Baker Mayfield is just good enough of a quarterback to where they can make something happen at any point. Baker Mayfield is having a halfway decent season. You know, he's there. The Buccaneers are four and five, so they're they're middle of the road. He's completing 65% of his passes for 2,100 yards, 14 touchdowns, five interceptions. These are not bad numbers. Now, if you watch the Buccaneers play, you're not exactly feeling like they're a massive threat. But you guys know just as well as I am that, that the 49ers every year play these teams that are not good, but they don't quite put them away when they should. And shit gets weird. You know, that's that's just the best way to put it. Shit just gets weird. And I think that the, the Buccaneers are a perfect team for that. Now, you would think after the 49ers three-game losing streak and embarrassing yet another top NFL team that they're not going to come crashing back down this time. This is not the Browns after they beat the Cowboys. You know, this is not that same setup. It's not even a trap game. I think, again, the 49ers have kind of backed themselves into a corner where they've got to they've get after it every game. But in my opinion, I think the Bucs are just good enough to give the 49ers trouble if they allow it. Now, when you're looking at a Buccaneer, we can start with the defense, which I think is far and away the more impressive unit. Um, it really all starts for the Buccaneers. It all starts up front in the front seven. You've got Vita Vea. Um, I mean, I can organize these by sacks. You've got Vita, Vita Vea. You've got Shaq Barrett. Um, and then you start organizing it by tackles. You've got Lamonte David. You've got Ryan Neal. You've got Devin White. They've got a great linebacking core. They've got a great defensive line. Um, and they can get after the 49ers if they're going to let if they're going to let them. You know, and they definitely have a unit that's capable of taking a game over. They just don't do it consistently, and they underperform um, for the most part. Just if you go and look at the games they've had, Week One they they squeaked by with a win over the Vikings, which I mean, shit, the Forty ers couldn't do. Um, they beat the Bears, which which we know now isn't exactly the most impressive of, of, of feat. Uh, they got worked over pretty badly by the Eagles. Uh, they they won one over the Saints, which, again, we know is not – and they've lost convincingly to the Lions. They've lost to the Falcons. They've lost to the Bills. They've lost to the Texans. And then they finally found a way to kind of squeak by the Titans. And the Titans aren't good either. And the score wouldn't suggest that they squeak by. It was 20-6. to six. But if you watch that game, I mean, it was like – 10 to three, like midway through the third quarter. And then, um, you know, the the Titans were playing rookie real Levis. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I typically try to mute those, but excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Um, They're just, even the wins they have. I mean, if you watch that Titans and Bucks game, it was just ugly. It was just watching that game. There wasn't a whole lot of good stuff going over there. But they were finding ways to get the ball into the hands of Mike Evans. In that game, Mike Evans had six catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. And Mike Evans is capable of moving into the slot, no problem at all. Chris Godwin also had four catches for 54 yards. Rashad White had two catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. The vast majority of those yards came on one play, one screenplay that the 49ers have shown they are so good at defending sarcasm but again just enough talent on this offense to catch the 49ers slipping if they're gonna slip okay if they're gonna slip you've got mike evans you got chris godwin godwin they're both great receivers rashad white is a solid running back he only averaged 2.6 yards a carry against the titans i don't expect he'll do much better against uh the 49ers he, ran, he rushed the ball 20 times against the Titans. It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to play that game. It's. I, I started talking about the defense. Then all of a sudden, I just switched over to offense. What the hell are you doing, Louder? Okay, I'm going to stick with defense, all right? To me, for the Bucks defense, the where the Bucks excel is on defense. They do a great job of, of shutting down the opponent's rushing attack. They shut down the Titans. Um, uh, Derrick Henry had 11 carries for 24 yards. Derrick Henry had 11 carries for 24 yards. Tajay Spears looked pretty good, but he was kind of more involved in like a, a Debo role for the Titans. 
but I do have a lot of respect for the deep, deep the for the defense, the Bucks defense. They have the third highest blitz rate, but Brock Purdy against the blitz, uh, eight touchdowns, only one interception, a 118 quarterback rating. So he's very good against the blitz. So if the Buccaneers are going to blitz, just like the 49ers saw the Giants do earlier on in the season, they blitz like a record number of times. And it really just didn't have the effect they intended. So I don't necessarily think the Buccaneers blitzing is going to be the key to them beating the 49ers. But for the most part, they've shown that they can focus their energy on the on key players. DeAndre Hopkins, three catches for 27 yards. Derrick Henry, 11 catches for 24 yards. Will Levis, 19 of 39 for less than 200 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. You know, they're a solid defense. Now, the Titans' offense is absolutely nowhere in, in – if there's, like, a football planet where good offenses exist, like, the Titans are just somewhere else out in the multiverse. You know what I mean? It's just they're not even on the same planet. But they're, the Bucks' defense is, is their strong unit, you know, and they've got Tom Bowles back there coaching it. They had four sacks and 13 quarterback hits against the Titans. Now, a lot of that, when you watch that game, was Will Levis just sitting back there looking at his receivers running there. That voice I just did, it reminded me of the voice that Kevin's little recording box does in Home Alone 2. The father. I'm going to need a little refrigerator that opens with the key. You know what I mean? Like, anyways, I'm sorry. Now, the 49ers faced what was essentially the same defense last season as they did this season and had no problems whatsoever. Christian McCaffrey had 14 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 8.5 yards a carry. Even Jordan Mason got in there, had 11 carries for 56 yards. That's 5.1 yards a carry. Brock Purdy completed 76 of his yards of his passes and 76% of his passes. For 185 yards in his first start, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Brandon Ayuk, 57 yards. Debo Samuel, 43 yards through the air and another 21 on the ground. So the Bucks' defense is their strong point, but I think Kyle Shanahan is very confident in getting after this group. Uh, whatever for, Whatever schematic elements they have going on, I think Kyle Shanahan's very confident that he could take advantage of those. Uh, on the other hand, you've got a Bucks offense that really is is very, very, very one-sided. Baker Mayfield had to throw the ball 29 times for 278 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. The interception was so bad, too. Just threw it deep down the field into triple coverage. I feel like the Bucks have kind of pigeonholed themselves into, if they're going to make it a game, it's got to be through the air. It's got to be Baker Mayfield, which the 49ers would appreciate that because if you watch these plays – Baker Mayfield was not getting the ball out quickly. He was trying to just scooting around, moving downfield, trying to go for the big play. And I think this new, you know, Chase Young infused defensive line were, would love for Baker Mayfield to drop back and give himself some time back there because then that gives them an opportunity to get after it. But again, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they're not exactly in their prime, but they're both very, very, very good. But the reason I talk about the pass game is because on the ground, the Bucks offense has the worst yards per carry in the league. I think it's like 3.6, 3.5. They are 31st in total rushing yards. They are worst in the league in total first downs, worst in the league in first down percentages, 29th in touchdowns. They have one of the worst rushing offenses in the NFL going up against better one of the better rushing defenses in the NFL from a grand scheme, um, especially if they're going to play anything like the 49ers like they did against the Jags. Against the Jags, they held the Jaguars to 3.5 yards per carry. And uh, if they do that against the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers are going to be put into a position where they just have to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And they can do that with Godwin and Evans. They can get away with it. But it really just opens up the 49ers to, as they say, pin their ears back and rush with their hair on fire. You know, all those silly cliches. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to threaten the 49ers on the ground. They're going to be throwing it through the air, especially if the 49ers have so much success on offense like they did last time they played them. Um, I feel like Kyle Shanahan's got the advantage over Todd Bowles, especially after that last game. They're probably going to get out to a decent lead. At least that's the way I expect this game to go down. And the Buccaneers are not only – they're not good at rushing. They're going to have to get away from that just by the score goes. 
And, uh, you know, in, in terms of the ground game, the only thing the 49ers do struggle against is screens, which you would hope by now they've just started to recognize and adapt to. And, you know, and they, it even seemed like they did that against the Jags. You know, the Jags tried a few screens in the second half that just really didn't go anywhere at all. So you'd hope that the 49ers are really starting to adapt themselves to what has beaten them so far. You know, they they obviously had to take a very, very hard look at, what, at the reasons for a three-game losing streak for a team with nothing short of Super Bowl aspirations. So they had to look inward, as you would say, and um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of performance they break. Now, the last time they played at Levi Stadium, it was against the Bengals. They pretty much crapped out the joint, and it seems like there'll be an offense, or at least a team in general, uh, especially a team. It seemed like the defense was the, the weaker unit of, well, no, they were both bad in that game. Um, I, defensively, I don't see the 49ers really having any problem doing whatever they want to do. Because, again, they were playing pretty much the same defense last year, um, and, and they had success both through the air. I think a little bit more of their success is going to come through the air just as Brock Purdy has – built up more confidence in his ability to orchestrate Kyle Shanahan's offense and move the ball. I don't think they're necessarily going to have to rely on the run game like they did last year. Again, it was Purdy's first start. So if you're, if you're going to do one thing, you're going to know that you have to run the ball. Well, the 49ers did. They rushed for 209 yards and 5.8 yards of carry last time they faced the Bucks. And I think that they're going to be able to lean on the pass a little bit more in terms of a passing offense. I think I got rid of it, but or excuse me, a passing defense. I think the Bucks were middle of the road or bottom of the league in, in most statistics. I'm pulling this up now because I forgot to write it down. But in terms of completion percentages allowed, the Bucks are in the bottom half of the league. In terms of yards per attempt, the Buccaneers are towards the bottom fourth of the league. They average 7.1 yards per attempt, and Purdy is usually well over that. In terms of total passing yards, the Buccaneers are the fourth worst team in the NFL. They've already allowed 2,400 yards through the through the air. Um, passing touchdowns, let me see where they're at in here. These are just the base stats, top half of the league in terms of, in, in not a good way. Um, so the, I don't think Purdy's going to have any problem throwing the ball through the air. And despite having a good rushing defense, I don't see the, pro, I don't see the 49ers having a problem rushing the ball either. Um, so it really does seem like a matchup where the 49ers have the advantage from front to back, but at the same time, I'm going to end with this. Like I said last, or like I said earlier, uh, the Buccaneers, this Buccaneers team is just good enough, just good enough to where if you let it hang around, if you're getting late in the third quarter and it's still just a one score game or maybe even a 10 point game, uh, you're asking for trouble. So, and, and it would behoove the 49ers with their schedule because let me take a look at it real here. Here's a 49ers schedule. Okay. Here's the bucks game. And then they're playing, they're playing the bucks on Sunday and they're playing the Seahawks on Thanksgiving four days later. It would behoove the 49ers to, 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 to make this ass kicking quick so that they can start subbing some guys down and try to get guys healthy before that matchup with Seahawks. Now, what I think I want to know, let me see, Seahawks, Seahawks. I'm checking something here because I want to see if what the Seahawks are doing this week. No, not team idiot. Talking to myself, sorry. When is the Seahawks? Okay, so, I mean, the Seahawks are playing a game, too. They're playing it in an afternoon game. They're traveling um, to, I mean, it's not far. They're only traveling here, essentially, to California for their away game against the Rams, whereas at least the 49ers are playing um, at home in their first game, and then they're traveling to the Seahawks. So, I mean, it's kind of alternating. The 49ers are at home now, then they're traveling to face the Seahawks for the short week, whereas the Seahawks are away now, and then the, they're going to be obviously at home for the matchup against the 49ers. So it's a weird game. that I, don't, I can't – to me, it, it really does surprise me that the NFL would – Give any NFL team a game on a Sunday and then another game four days from then on a Thursday. I mean, I guess that's just the, I mean, I guess that's always how Thursday night footballs work, but would it really be that hard to 
give teams a bye week before their Thursday night football appearance? I don't know. Seems like it would. It seems like it'd be relatively simple, but damn, I can't believe they're asking NFL teams to play two games four days apart. But here's where the rub is. Here's the positive rub. Is the 49ers play that game on Thursday against the Seahawks, which will be a challenge. The Seahawks are looking like a solid team. And then they have until the following Sunday, so about 10 days before they play the Eagles, whereas the Eagles are playing there. You know, they've, they're going to have a standard seven days. So interesting little lineup here. A lot of important games. The 49ers are about to go on a stretch. That's Bucks, Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks. And then you've even got the Cardinals, who now have Kyler Murray back. They might be down for a scrap, and they kind of in a position where they've got nothing to lose. Then you got the Ravens. Then you got you know, hell of a little stretch coming up for the 49ers. All right, we're good. We're great. We're grand. We're wonderful. Good, good. What's that from? It's good. It's good. Sorry, just making noise at this point. Well, I appreciate you guys. It's another week. Interesting game. Interesting game. Just it, it's an interesting scene right now. You know, it, it's an interesting. You know, the 49ers are in an interesting position. The Eagles are in an interesting position. The Seahawks are in an interesting position. You know, these two games against the Seahawks may determine the, the division. You know, I get and there's there's obviously games that need to be won in the meantime, but two very important three, four, and whatever. I'm, I'm I'm fighting with myself now because every game is important for the 49ers from here on out if they want to have any chance at playoff seating. But when you're talking about games that just hit very close to home, they've go Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks. Like, man, that's right there. All right, everybody, I appreciate you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you much for tuning in. If you feel like going the extra mile, jump on whatever app you're listening to. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you feel. Uh, you know, put a question in there if you want to. Uh, I, can, I can bring it up in the pod. It'll be like a free mailbag, anytime mailbag, but uh, obviously you just being here listening is the uh, ultimate form of support. Again, prizepicks.com slash gold. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, appreciate you guys. You already know what it is. I mean, we, we got to get out of here. I can't just keep making these noises, annoying the hell out of you. Uh, I will see you guys again back here. Don't forget about takeaway time after the game. Win or lose, I'll fire off the tweet. You hit me with a reply, and you will make it into the pod. Yo, you already know this. Y'all already know this. I've had 90-something replies before, and they all made it in. So, appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Um, Pricepeak.com slash gold. For another episode, I'm Rob. This is your pod, Striking Gold, and we are signing off. <laughs>